Hello and welcome to another episode of Cast It Into The Fire podcast. I'm Sarah. And I'm Sherry. And this one's going to be a bit different. Um, instead of the standard going through um, fantasy novels, um, I'm going to tell about some of the weird cracked bedtime stories that my father told me when I was a kid. Uh, Some of these came from his own imagination. Some of them were inspired by things that already existed. Uh, This started out, I believe, as calling the Hour of the Wolf. The Hour of the Wolf. And uh, he'd have a little speech, Now is the Hour of the Wolf. Now, another tale from the macabre. Did that come from something? Yeah, I think there's a Tales from the Macabre. And how, and we'd howl like wolves and like... Make, Paw the ground. Yeah. <laughs> Good times. Um, these stories were told to both Sarah, who I think it started out, she was like six years old. And my sister, Rachel, even younger. Yeah, Rachel's three and a half years younger, so... Oh, it wasn't. Um, these weren't. Besides the hour of the wolf, we'd also get read various um, things. Some of which were like Mennonite stories. Some of which were Jack London stories. Which probably, in the amount of it going a dark place or whatever, may not have really been age appropriate. But um, and. The Tales from the Macabre, that's actually an old radio show. So, late night horror radio program. Well, um, one of the totally uh, original uh, stories was about a boy named Armadillo Creek and a girl named Arceretti. Um, they lived. I love the names. Yes, by the way. I absolutely ki- love the names. Kids who lived in a cabin in the woods with no parents and no explanation as to why they lived there with no parents. And um, there's one where they went to pick blueberries and they got absolutely covered with it, the juice, and a bear came along. Um. think it was a bear. A part of me is questioning my own memory and thinking it could have been bees. Oh, oh boy. I think you're right about the bear. It was a bear. And it's... You know, was interested in them because of the blueberry juice and was chasing them. And they were running. And... Um... They climbed onto something and uh, went down the sandbank and got all covered with sand. And the bear comes along and... and I was looking for a blueberry treat. These are just groundhogs. And the bear leaves. <laughs> I'm still questioning in my mind. Bear or bees? Bear or bees? Something chased them. <laughs> I think it was bear. Another one. They go for a walk in the marsh and they see... Uh, Rabbit, and if I remember correctly, it was blue. 
I pictured this marsh very vividly. <laughs> yeah, if if we could go back all these years. I I couldn't give them, them in full dead form all these years later. I'm kind of just giving you the abridged um more original characters, Yeti, Gretchen, and Brittany, who are also three kids who lived in some kind of cottage in the woods with no parents and no explanation why. And they were looking f- they wanted to um, enter some foods in the county fair. And so they went and they picked mushrooms and nuts and they were going to make spaghetti and uh, bread. And they mixed it up. They accidentally put the mushrooms into the bread and the nuts into the spaghetti. And they brought the mushroom bread and the nut spaghetti to the county fair. And they won in their category. It was a big hit. Now, I am certain there was a crossover where... Armadillo Creek and Arceretti and Yeti, Gretchen, and Brittany were in the same story. Mm-hmm. But I can't remember the details. Uh-huh. Um, I remember that there was one that I helped with and I tried to make it scary. So I had, like, fish, like, coming out of, like, a well or some kind of water and be, like, flipping along after them, uh, just kicking along with their tails. Yeah. Now, some of these were on the scary side, especially when you think of her We were sister. really young. Well, her younger sister especially. You're talking, she was about two and a half when this all started. And uh, this was a nightly routine for quite a long while. So, yes, there was one in the man and his wife and the pack of wolves. So they're being chased through the forest on a sleigh by this relentless pack of wolves. Which, I'll say, you know, that's not realistic wolf behavior, but I... You've you've seen a similar scene in Frozen, and... Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, long before Frozen was a thing. Um, and they just can't shake this pack of wolves... And then they get to a bridge and drive their sled onto the bridge. And the wolves are scared of the bridge. And they turn back. Which maybe isn't too far-fetched. I mean, animals can be... Scared of people, stuff they don't understand. Mm-hmm. So... I loved that story, and I'm like, Dad, tell me another, tell me the story of the man and his wife, or I don't know whether I was asking for the same story or a different one. And so, I was told another one. A man and his wife were in the woods, and they were looking for a place to stay, and they found an empty cabin. And they went into that cabin and went to sleep, and... The wolves got in and ate both of them. I was kind of upset. I was like six years old. (laughs) 
another. Well, her her father did at that time. I will say have a bit of a twisted imagination. Well, now I like Game of Thrones and stuff, so. It's where it came from, right? Um. Dad told one called the boy who really liked chocolate. And so a boy goes to the store, gets some chocolate, and just gets more and more addicted to the chocolate all in one day. And is eating chocolate and starting to um, feel symptoms of caffeine toxicity from how much chocolate he's consumed, you know, pounding heart, and I don't know how much chocolate, and I mean even, like, straight cocoa beans you'd have to do before that happened, and, uh, this kid's doing it to himself on, you know, grocery store chocolate, and Rachel and I are both getting disturbed by this because we're really young and this is unnerving us and we're like dad please stop and he does and how about the chicken that really liked chocolate okay and uh, partially on Rachel's input the chicken goes and nibbles itself a chocolate cake and eats it you were thinking this is, you know, fine. And the chicken starts seeking more chocolate. Goes to the chocolate factory. And of course, I'm picturing the Hershey's fact. Not Hershey's. Um, this was not Hershey's. This was, um, who, who did own that chocolate factory in Mansfield? Merkins. Merkins. I was picturing the chocolate factory that I knew was in town that I had never actually been inside of and still they haven't. They never let people it's go not in a, It's not a chocolate factory tourist kind of place. Sometimes it smelled like brownies on the air. Sometimes it smelled burnt. And anyway, the chicken goes to chocolate factory, finds a vat of chocolate, falls in, drowns. And the factory workers come along and uh, find the chicken dead and cook it up and eat it and say it tastes like chocolate. That's dad's humor for you. And sadly there was a there's an incident recently where a couple of people fell into a vat, a tank of chocolate in Pennsylvania so which M- is where we live M&M now. M&M factory. Yeah, uh, M&M Mars. And I hope they weren't hurt. Well, they did, they were taken to the hospital other than that, it's not clear, but they had to cut the side of the tank open to get the men out, or the workers out. I I can't even say if they were definitely men. Seeing that in the news was what made me think of this chicken story from back when. So hopefully those uh, workers are doing all right, and whatever safety precautions need to be set in place... Are set in place so it never happens again. But yeah. on with your on with your stories. 
Um, there was a story that I'm ashamed to say as a kid I found overly funny and... Well, there was in the story a person who liked to uh, stick her tongue out too much and grew up and still did it as an adult, got married, still stuck her tongue out, and the family cat ripped it out. And the husband says, what's the matter, cat got your tongue? That was kind of messed up and um, one of us at the time had kind of a bit of a habit of doing that and dad thought that story was the uh, way to go about well I don't think she does it anymore so (laughs) oh I was gonna make it sound like it could have been me because I didn't want to well I didn't think she have it too much like yeah I think you're both guilty of having done that at some point and I know I certainly have been but it does make you think about that figure of speech how the Catskills Mountains got their name There was a cat, and it was thirsty and was wandering over the mountains, and it found uh, a pond of water, and it drank and drank and drank and drank until its head popped off and bounced all over the mountains, and that's why the Catskills Mountains got their names. (laughs) Now, when... I don't know how they really got their names, what... When I was younger, I thought the real reason was that, oh, you needed the skill of a cat to climb them. Mm. Uh, One of the original weird dad stories. The Madagascan giant hissing cockroach. So... A girl who was, from my understanding, based on me, goes to a pet store and sees a giant Madagascar hissing cockroach for sale and asks the pet store guy about it. And um, he says, oh, it's like a good pet, but you must never feed it banana. So... She buys the cockroach, takes it home, and before you know it, it has gotten a hold of banana. And it grows. And it just keeps devouring things and growing bigger and bigger until it's bigger than a truck and is, you know, Godzillaing its way through the neighborhood, except uh, Godzilla wasn't mentioned. I'm just giving you the visual. And it sees a train, and it is running toward that train um, to eat it whole. Presumably. And while this is going on, um, the girl who bought the cockroach goes back to the pet store and is like, what 
what can I do? It's gotten banana. It's going on a rampage. And the pet store guy says that um, bubble soap will stop it. And so she goes back to the cockroach just as it's rushing toward the train to eat it. And the co- and uh, makes a giant soap bubble that um, I guess collides with the roach, and it twists around and kicks up its heels and dies. Are you getting a pattern here? <laughs> well, he is kind of consistent with his weirdness, and. Oh, I loved that story, and I wanted more. And so I get different versions of it. In one of them, the cockroach would count its legs. Um, and it had a wooden leg, so it would go one, two, three, four, five, thump. One, two, three, four, five, thump. Um, in one version, it was a centipede. 99, thump. 99, thump. For all hundred legs. Um, centipedes on average, have more like in the 30 to 40-ish range of legs in reality. There's really nothing unique about the other giant bug stories except for, oh, it's a different bug or the wooden leg thing. But it's giant bug, eats food, keeps growing bigger, rampage. Sid, the not-sick slug from Ceylon. Sid, the slug. Well, first he was going to be Sid, the sick slug from Ceylon. And I'm like, Dad, I don't want him to be sick. So Dad's like, fine, he's Sid, the not-sick slug. And Sid wanted to become Sid, the not-sick slug from Ceylon. So he went to an airport and he's like, where can I get some tickets to Ceylon? And he gets his ticket to Ceylon, goes there, and, well, first the airport guy says, well, it's not called Ceylon anymore, it's Sri Lanka. So he gets his ticket to go and become Sid the not-sick slug from Sri Lanka. And after he gets there, he gets sick. The end. Oh, yeah, I uh, forgot to mention... Um, back with the the chicken story. Rachel tried to get one going where the chicken liked strawberry and made itself a strawberry cake, but that didn't really take off. Now, uh, this next one was inspired by something that already existed in one of the Mad Magazine issues, um... Dad's a big fan of those. Don't know if he still is, but... Rapunzel's sister. Now, once upon a time, Rapunzel had a sister. And she also lived in a tower. And while Rapunzel had the longest hair ever, Rapunzel's sister had the longest armpit hair. So she'd be in the tower with her armpit hair and the prince come along... Rapunzel, Rapunzel, let down your hair. Actually, 
I don't remember if this was not Rapunzel, this was her sister. I don't remember what the, what the prince called her. Right. Dad didn't give her a name. Yeah. And she uh, lets down her hair without saying where the hair is growing from. And the prince climbs up the hair and is like, ew! <laughs> and <coughs> I don't want to marry you. And Rapunzel's sister is fine with that. She likes living alone in the tower. Excellent. <laughs> now this is probably the most uh, involved of the stories, this next one. And the story is original enough, the names are not. The Go-Go Gophers and the Ricky Ticky Coyotes. Go-Go Gophers is an old cartoon. And I'm sure the Ricky Ticky part comes from Ricky Ticky Tavi. I'm sure it does. Yeah. Yes. So there are these gophers, and they lived on the prairie, and they were the go-go gophers, and uh, Dad sang the go-go gophers jingle without uh, telling me what it was from. Go-go gophers, watch them go-go-go. Yeah, what's that? It looks like a Hanna-Barbera, or similar. Um... Yeah, follow the efforts of Kit Coyote to win the West for the U.S. Cavalry. So, from CBS, CBS, not CVS. <laughs> um, unlike uh, the cartoon, these gophers were just barely more humanoid than being just gopher gophers. I I don't think they were even red wall level. <laughs> and th- these gophers, they lived out in the prairie in their gopher holes. And um, two coyotes called the Ricky Ticky Coyotes come along. And they want to eat some gophers. And they both stick their heads down the gopher hole at the same time and they get stuck. And so the two coyotes are panicking and thrashing around. This was part of the Underdog TV series. Ah. And they were four to five minute long segments within 48 episodes of the Underdog TV series. Now the two coyotes have their heads stuck down the gopher hole and they can't get out and they're thrashing around. Uh, How many legs does two coyotes have? That's right, eight. What else has eight legs? Spider. And so it looks like a big tarantula is thrashing around and a hawk comes along and thinks that might be something to eat. And a scorpion comes along and uh, thinks, oh, that's a big spider. That's something to fight with. So the hawk's like pulling at the coyotes and the scorpions is running around trying to figure out what to do to um, fight the big spider. And meanwhile, the gophers are stuck with two coyote faces stuck down the entrance of their burrow. And finally, the gophers have a solution. And they chew up um, some grain seeds to make vegetable oil. And they rub the vegetable oil all over the coyotes' heads and snouts. 
and eventually they're uh, oiled enough that they pop right back out. Um, he had a a version of the. I'm not sure how hey, culturally okay this story or any version of it is. Um, being kind of a Native American joke that I don't think originated with them at all. Well, the a warrior was in love with the chief's daughter and um, he goes to the chief and asks for her hand and the chief says you can marry my daughter if you can go out and kill a bear with just a knife so he goes out with just a knife to kill a bear and well, surprise, surprise, he doesn't come back. And they wait a long time, he doesn't come back. And um, this um, warrior's name was Falling Rock. And his tribe put out signs saying, watch for Falling Rock. And that's why the signs are there everywhere. Now, he did not come up with this one himself. There are other versions of it, some Lots a lot more others. involved, some with a happier ending than this. Um, now this, I don't know if this name's fully original or not. Honey Child. And the purple passion pollen. Honey Child was a worker bee in a hive. And she'd go out and uh, get pollen and bring it back. And she flew out and found a purple uh, passion flower. And she tasted the pollen and said, This tastes just like grape soda. She brings some back to the hive, and the other bees try it, and they're like, yes, it does taste just like grape soda, and they go out and load up on this, they bring it back, and they're eating this. And the queen is uh, looking over the bees in the hive, and she doesn't like what she sees. There's bees with purple faces from eating the purple pollen. And I'm sorry, I don't remember how the bees resolved this problem. Other than, I guess, stop eating that stuff. There was more to it, but I can't remember every single thing. And there was another one where Honey Child says to the queen, something is bothering me. And after that, 
there's a report that a bear is approaching the hive from a distance. And the queen says to Honey Child, you need to go out and stop this bear. And how you have to do it is sting the bear on the end of its nose. But you have to be very careful and only do a very light sting. Because if you sting it you know, deeply, your stinger breaks off and you die. Which is true. Uh, honeybees don't survive stinging. The honey child goes out to the bear and carefully, lightly stings just the end of its nose and the bear turns around and leaves. Um, don't think it... It's kind of needless to say this would not stop a bear. Not if there's honey to... Oh my goodness, my dog has been stung by a wasp and she still thinks bees must be delicious and I have to stop her from trying to eat them every time. We call them jalapeno sky raisins as opposed to flies. Flies are just sky raisins. Uh. (laughs) But yes, she she finds them fun to uh, try and chomp at things like that and... Fortunately, and it wasn't even her mouth that got stung. It was, she sat on it. Yeah, she sat on it. So that it was, was not a fun. That was not a fun time it was for her, the pup. Her little girl doggy privates that got stung, <laughs> and they swelled up. And yeah, she was vet, sore for a while. The vet had me giving her Benadryl, and this is just a dog not having the common sense about bees. Bears are pretty much impervious. Yeah. Bear will tear open a hive and it doesn't matter how much they get stung. Mm-hmm. Anything to get honey. Let's see, how many more? Um, uh, this one... Ezekiel's Valley. So, a man is traveling through... Um, an area of, I believe, desert. And one of the locals says, whatever you do, don't be out in Ezekiel's Valley after dark. And what do you know? He's traveling through Ezekiel's Valley and it's starting to get dark. And there's these bones on the ground, human. Mm Mm-hmm. And dim bones, dim bones, yes. dim bones. Exactly. This is named it's named Ezekiel's Valley after that Ezekiel from the Bible. Mm-hmm. And the skeletons um start to connect together and they get up and start walking in his direction. They don't attack him. But they're following him, and it's creepy. And so the traveler is trying to get out of this valley. And more and more skeletons are following him. And one of the skeletons has a wooden leg. Don't know 
why this detail, but I think it kind of goes back to the, those insects and bugs with wooden legs mm-hmm. from before. You know, the traveler gets to the end of the valley and the skeletons do not follow. And that's... Well, that's a happy-ish ending. That's a happy-ish ending. Oh, and... Um... Yeah, regarding the actual Bible story that this is loosely based on. Like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm Christian, I read the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, what I didn't understand as a kid was that this was a vision that Ezekiel had. Um, I thought it legit was saying that all these skeletal people came back. Yeah. Like, really came back. As opposed to, here's a vision where this symbolically happens, and it means this. But I knew the story enough to know exactly why it was called Ezekiel's Valley in this thing Dad came up with. Right. And now we've got a few miscellaneous. They weren't exactly bedtime stories. They were told at the dinner table or otherwise. Yeah. The parrot. So, first, Dad tells it as if it was his brother, Uncle Billy, which he conceded, no, it's not really his brother, Uncle Billy. He, This is a... Made up person. Yeah. Yeah, his brother, Uncle Billy, is like five years older than her dad. <laughs> and her Aunt Amy is like ten years older than... Well, her. I don't know why he made it be Uncle Billy at first. Probably so you could identify with it. Well, the the boy is a student and... Um, his teacher says, well, you, you know, watch my parrot while I go on vacation. And the boy takes the parrot home, and he's doing his homework and not enjoying it. And he says out loud, I hate my teacher. And when it's time for the teacher to pick up her pet... The parrot says, I hate my teacher. The moral being, don't say anything in front of a parrot that you don't want the parrot to say later. And uh, maybe a double moral, don't hate your teacher. And also, (laughs) don't say anything in front of your kids that you don't want the kids to repeat later. Because we've all heard children... Who say things that mortify us, and you know where they picked it up, either from their family or somebody they're around. 
And I don't remember which zoo this happened at, but there was a case where a parrot picked up swearing from, you know, zoo guests, and it taught swearing to other parrots. And so then, you know, zoo is faced with the problem of do you keep the swearing parrot on exhibit, or you, you know, kids might hear it, or you take it off exhibit. You know, the parrot doesn't deserve to lose its you know, big habitat with the other birds. It wasn't there somebody, like, famous from history that had a bird that was, would swear a blue streak? I want to say it was Churchill. I think you're right. And there was um, a place in my... Uh, a place I used to go to that had a parrot that wasn't on regular exhibit because of its potty mouth. That wasn't the parrot's fault. A person taught it that. No, I never learned what the parrot would say. Oh, I think I know what bird you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. And you'd have to be careful walking past it. No, I'm I'm talking about it. Same place, different bird. Oh, okay. The bird you had to be careful walking past was on exhibit. Oh, red. Right. Uh, red, red didn't know any naughty words. Okay, I was gonna Although say. it would only take one person using a naughty word to. Oh, I know. I tried to get red. To red, talk. red picked up words very quickly. But not from me. Well, anyway. Um, on to more dadisms. I was trying a pomegranate for the first time, and I was, you know, pretty interested in it, but intimidated by it being a bunch of hard seeds with little fruit around them, and I didn't know you could eat the seeds. Mm. And I'm, like, trying to nibble the fruit edges off. And Dad told me the story of... Pluto, um... Who was, um, in the Greek mythology, he was a god of the underworld. And uh, he gave Persephone a pomegranate, and um, whichever, like, side of the pomegranate had the most seeds was, like, how often she could stay above ground and okay. versus underground with him. Yeah, I know this story has actually gotten a bit more of a following now on I don't mean dad's version, I mean right. the story in general. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know, goth people like it and they had a semi-faithful by Greek mythology standards relationship and all that. Uh, But I didn't know all this. I just, uh, to me, Pluto was the planet. Right. 
Or <coughs> Mickey's dog. Now Pluto got demoted. Pluto got demoted. It's like a... I don't know what they call it now. Planets that aren't quite big enough to be planets. I'm old school. It's still there for me. Oh, so am I. Now on to more, uh... So when I was really little, Dad caught me rocking back on the legs of a chair at the table. And Dad's like, don't do that. Um, And then it's like, oh, Eli from the Bible did that and he fell over and died. Now, Eli from the Bible did indeed fall out of a chair and die, but the... He was not rocking back on the legs of it as far as we know and the entire context of why that happened and how old he was and all that um didn't so much didn't come into play in the story. Into dad using that as a cautionary with me. Well, I stopped rocking back on the... And and Sarah's uncle, he got caught rocking back in a chair as a young adult. And uh, our mom had him re-glue all the chairs. (laughs) So he, I think he probably stopped doing that too. And one bonus dadism before we end. Um, If you are familiar with Edgar uh, Allan Poe's The Bells poem, well, dad came up with a partial extra verse. Oh, and made it about rattlesnakes. Listen to the bells, rattle bells, what a bite of venom they're rattling for tells. And the skies with stars are sprinkled, and the prairie dogs who tinkle. Didn't get the last two lines. Okay. Trying to remember, he may have said heavens with stars, it was... This is recollecting stuff from... This is recollecting stuff from years ago that I did not... Properly write down. Twenty-five years ago or so. Uh, That one was a little more recent, but well, it's better to get stuff down from twenty, twenty-five years ago than to not get it down at all. I was studying a lot of poetry for an English class and school, and um, yes. Sarah was homeschooled, as was Rachel, and, uh, but that, that maybe is for another podcast, or not, uh, but it was fun to kind of bring back some of these stories, inappropriate though they may be, (laughs) they are what they are.
Well, I hope you enjoyed some of the weirdness. And uh, we'll be back to more fandom stuff next time. And thank you for listening to Cast Into the Fire podcast. Bye. Have a good day.